0: Hello and welcome to episode 187 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is the co-vocalist and bassist from the outstanding band Alkaline Trio. I'm joined by the amazing Dan Andriano. On today's interview, we don't just focus on Alkaline Trio. We get to delve deep and talk all about his brand new solo record, which is out now and it's called Dear Darkness. Dear Darkness. In my opinion, each and every song on this album could easily be a single. It's full of single-on choruses and what you'd expect from Dan. And right now, as it stands, it's my album of the year. I've had it on rotation since it came out last week and it's absolutely awesome from start to finish. So after today's interview, I urge you all to go and check it out, buy a copy on vinyl or CD or stream it, but listen to it and then let me know what you think. But before we get to today's interview with Dan Andriano, I want to touch base and talk about my last episode. On episode 186, I was joined by the actor and writer Steve Oram. We got to sit down and talk in detail about one of the greatest British films out there, Sightseers. The response was amazing and a massive thanks to everyone that listened. I've been receiving emails, tweets and Facebook DMs all week from people that now have discovered Sightseers and fell in love with this real dark comedy. So thanks everyone again for listening. But today it's all about Dan Andriano and his brand new album Dear Darkness. I'm going to get straight to it now. So here's me and Dan talking all things music. So Dan, thanks for taking the time to join me today on the Mark and Me podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is exciting.
0: What I wanted to do today, Dan, is start right at the beginning. Everybody remembers those first albums that they bought maybe as a kid, the pocket money or, you know, doing jobs around the house to get that money together to buy those first albums. Can you remember... When it was that you bought those first albums that you fell in love with, that made you want to pick up a guitar or bass or just love music?
1: Um, yeah, I can actually. I, I mean, my I had an older brother who was um, into music and into guitar. We we both got a guitar at the same time. Um, he was just a couple of years older than me, so we got a guitar that we were, you know, supposed to share, and uh, we both, you know, actually stuck with it. Um, pretty well, which is surprising. Um, but uh, he, you know, so he was into some classic rock, some 80s hair metal type stuff at the time. I was pretty young. So I was just into whatever he was into. But then, I, you know, when I got into skateboarding, that's also when I really got into music that really started to speak to me, like punk rock and things like that. So the first albums that I was ever able to go buy uh, with the little pocket money i did have were were like uh you know 7 seconds records um nice i think the se- uh, you know the, the first thing i ever bought on my own was a 7 seconds record and then the next thing i bought was uh <clears throat> i went to the the tape store different tape store but uh i went with my friend rich and we each bought a cassette he bought misfits walk among us and i bought sex pistols never mind the Bullocks. wow Back of my house and pop the tabs out and you know, recorded them for each other, so yeah, those were the kind of things that I, I started out with for sure.
0: And can you remember the first sort of shows you went to? Because for me, when you see a live band for the first time, it's something that will stay with you forever. And can you remember the first kind of gig you went to?
1: There's the first like big concert I went to, <clears throat> which was uh, Men at Work with In Excess as the support band. Wow, it's probably I'm trying to think, I mean, I was young, so I think I was like eight or nine at this concert. I must have been nine. So um, that and that really stuck with me. Like, uh, I loved those Men at Work songs, like as a little kid. And one of my uncles took me and I remember, you know, this is before NXS broke in America and became a huge band here. Um, They were, you know, like I said, they were the support band, but then... You know, so that was like a big concert that I had really nothing to do with going to. Obviously, I was a small kid. And then a few years later, I went to a show, like a punk rock show at a hall that, you know, just local kids put on um, in the town where I was going to high school. And that, so at this point, I'm like 13. And that was the first time I saw a bunch of bands. It was like a, a weird, small, independent festival type thing where like 10 bands play, you know, for 20 minutes each or whatever in this rented hall. And it pretty much just sounds horrible all day. <laughs> um, but that was the first time I, I saw a band called The Smoking Popes that I really ended up turning into a huge fan of first seven inch I ever bought was their seven inch. Um, and uh, that was a that was a big part of me, like getting inspired to keep going to shows like that, which led me to, you know, meeting people and being in bands and you know various other stuff
0: so were you in a number of bands growing up did you do the whole college band and doing stuff like battle of the bands and the stuff that everyone went through in the early days
1: we didn't really do like battle of the bands but we did things like that, like I was just describing like rented halls or, yeah the or old days is... people's houses people's basements um or garages uh you know we would do All that, all that kind of stuff. And so we would, you know, there was a pretty great scene outside of Chicago in the early 90s. I mean, through the 90s, before that, I'm sure, but what we became a part of in the band, I was, you know, I was in a couple bands, but you know the band that really put me on tour and put me on this trajectory was a band called Slapstick and you know we made friends with so many other bands from neighboring suburbs of Chicago that it was almost like every weekend you know we would go you know spur out to McHenry you know which is where Matt Skiba was from or like you know we then we go to Hoffman Estates or Arlington Heights and see a show and then we you know, come back to Elgin the next weekend and someone would have a show going on. So it was always something happening and a lot of connections being made, even though it was just kids, mostly like high school kids.
0: It's incredible. And, you know, to build upon that, at what point was it that you formed Alkaline Trio?
1: Well, so like I said, Matt was from a neighboring suburb and as was Glenn, the original drummer. Yeah, And they started Alkaline Trio in a 1996. And I was still in a band called Tuesday at the time that came out of slapstick breaking up. And uh, but Matt and I were friends. And at this point, everybody had kind of migrated to Chicago to the actual city. And we're living in various neighborhoods around the city. But uh, and then most of the shows were there at a point, this place called the Fireside Bowl or the Metro, which was slightly bigger. Um, So everybody from these neighboring suburbs was now uh, living downtown or trying to live downtown. And which was kind of cool, these connections that were made um, now still existing. But uh, it was right around that time that I was moving downtown that Matt asked me to join the band just like a year after he started the band actually with Glenn. And they had a different bass player his name was Rob and uh, you know, and they were great. I'd seen him a couple of times. Our bands had played together and Matt and I were, you know, quickly becoming pretty good drinking buddies. And uh, he knew that I wanted to tour pretty much constantly and really try to make a go at this for real. And, uh, you know, I guess he just, you know, he didn't feel like Rob was willing to leave college as, as uh, abruptly and things like this. So. Um, that's when I joined was like mid 97.
0: So did it just feel that the moment you started playing with those guys, that was it, something clicked. It was different to the other bands. Did it just feel like this is what you were meant Absolutely. to be doing?
1: Yes, that was it. I mean, and I think we all felt it. Like it was pretty great. Like we played through a couple songs and we all three just started giggling, you know, it was funny. It's a good <laughs> um, feeling. Yeah, it was a great feeling. And, uh, it's uh it it was very different and just fun and, and easy. And um, then the more we started playing together, the easier the songs started to come and uh, the more sense everything started to make. Pretty great.
0: And how do you feel like with bands that you look around now, so many bands break up or go on hiatus, but the fact that you guys have been going over for two decades, which is scary, you know, is approaching the third decade and you're still doing stuff you're still pals you're still enjoying what you do and you're still loving it well, what do you think's what do you think it is that um, makes you still feel so fresh for
1: it i mean i think deep down we just still really love it like i'm not i don't think we're done i'm not done no <clears throat> i mean clearly i can't i can't stop getting myself into projects but um <laughs> like you know I mean, it's something that Matt and I always talked about, like when it stopped being fun, when it stopped being something that we truly loved, we would stop doing it. And that just hasn't happened. Um, There's a festival coming up here in the States actually, uh, and it's a big, uh, it's getting a lot of press. There's a lot of bands from the nineties playing and it's called the When We Were Young Festival I was doing an interview like this uh, <clears throat> a podcast last week and the person asked me how, how it felt to be part of like this nostalgia festival. Yeah. And I, I honestly hadn't even really thought about it. Like, I guess that's how people are looking at it. But I mean, I look at the, the thing and I, yeah, I see there's a lot of bands that are like from that era but a lot of them like mine on that poster, you know we're still very active and you know we still do it all the time. It's not like we're getting back together to go play this festival and be a part of this nostalgia so I don't want to say I was like um offended because that would completely be the wrong word but I was a little bit just confused I was like well I guess it's nostalgic I mean we're but it's uh you know like sure we're old this is when you know when we were young all these bands were busy but i'm still busy you know i never stopped trying to do this so i thought that was kind of interesting the take on it but i don't care it's gonna be fun i know that just you know? just but come back cool. and
0: do it when there's a uh, when we were old do it in like 20 years time
1: yes hey look now we're old Sure. <laughs> we're that we still with
0: like you and Jimmy Eat World and you'll all be like 70 years old trying to play
1: guitars? Sure. Why not? The fucking Rolling Stones do it. Exactly. I mean, Why not? That's just it. Like my I guess my point in that long-winded answer was that I just we're I'm still doing it. Like I never really stopped. I don't I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. Like I know we've been doing it for a while, and when I look back upon it, it seems like uh it does seem like damn that was a long time ago and almost you know a lifetime ago really because I feel like a completely different person that I was when I joined this band in in the late 90s and I think it'd be weird if I wasn't at least a little bit of a different person but um yeah I, I just I don't foresee it stopping I mean Matt and I are texting um well, he was texting me late last night, but I mean, we've got song ideas flying around and, uh, you know, we've got talk of writing and recording and all kinds of stuff that um, we'll be up to after we uh, after we come do this UK tour here in a few weeks.
0: And with your obviously experience of being in lockdown, nobody ever knew this was going to happen, that we all kind of got like a 18 month. I knew. Stop. <laughs> did you know? Did you?
1: Yeah, some. you were convinced. there.
0: You had a crystal ball. You were like, I'm gonna go in 2001 no, and have a develop- year and a half
1: off. No, I'm just kidding. I sort of unintentional, you know, uh, good creativity time, right? Yeah, it's like For a me- good time
0: to um catch up on stuff that you've been probably meaning to finish or to start, but you took it to a whole new level because you didn't just sit on your ass and watch Netflix and read books, you decided to think about doing some covers for an EP that then matured yeah. into an album.
1: <laughs> That's right. Um, I was, yeah, I had dug up a couple old ideas and uh, yeah, like you said, I was kind of coming out of my skin. And so I got convinced by, you know, by my wife and <laughs> who wanted me to go and do something just to get up, you know, try to get away and do what I do. And she knows that I need to do that. And um Mike, at Asian Man, I would. He doesn't own the studio, but he has access to a studio there that he could pretty much put me in place I'd worked before. So when I got, I went out to San Jose basically just on that idea that I would record what I had, which might end up being an EP. Maybe do a couple of covers. I had a concept um, of like an EP of covers that would sort of have a theme to it, but. I ended up just wanting to keep working on the originals because everything started going really well. It's crazy.
0: Did it ever really feel that like you were, I mean, you planned for an EP, but at what point did it, was it just the fact you had so much material? It was like, well, this is more than an EP now. Like, do we do two EPs or is this just straight away an album? Because you never knew what you were setting yourself up for, did you?
1: No, I didn't. And I didn't even know Randy and Dylan, but Randy being the guitar player and Dylan being the drummer, they are brothers um uh all i knew was that mike told me they were fantastic musicians and uh they were really nice guys and they're a little younger than me but they would be psyched to work you know just be in the studio and play and try whatever and uh i mean he was one mike was exactly right uh, on all accounts but he you know i didn't account for the fact that they're just so good at music and they just love all kinds of music like classic rock we got to you know talk about i mean they listen to everything and it was very it's very surprising as i get older you know to see that there's still people that are that are getting into every all genres of rock and classic rock going back way back and so and i think that's awesome especially because everything's accessible you've really got no excuse these days but um they were, once Once I realized that they were, how capable they were, the songs just started um, f- finishing themselves. Like if I had a couple ideas that I'd sent them. And so we started running through those and they were just some rough demo ideas I had. And we started going through that and everything just started going really well and falling into place. So I started thinking about other ideas I had or kind of even coming up with, new new things i was just able to open up all sorts of doors and uh and finish up lots of things and just you know usually lyrically i get hung up a little bit so i'll have like a song written but i've really only got like 30 or 50 percent of the words done to where i'm happy with them and uh that can be a struggle for me sometimes because i get i get really hung up on that and what making sure and what in my opinion, is is okay for me to be squawking out there. Um, but it just started to flow out. I would be like, oh, this is cool. Okay, wait. I don't need to get hung up on a bridge. We can just do this. And then we can stretch this part out. And then, oh, I'm going to go finish writing the words. And I would come back in like a half hour. And we would, you know, we would have the song done. And it was, it just... It's interesting how uh, it's. I wouldn't even say when the pressure's on, but when I'm like thrust into the situation and uh, everyone's on the same page and just psyched and wanting to play and try different ideas. Like, we, you know, we got a lot done in kind of a short amount of time. It's very, very fun.
0: And working with two different people and having different dynamics and different kind of personalities, did it feel like there was no expectations of what the song should sound like did it feel like you were more free to just have no rules involved
1: absolutely and that sort of became a mantra and there was no rules um because I love so you know so much different kinds of music and if I you know if I feel like I just want to hear Randy try a guitar solo for two minutes uh that's that's what I'm going to want to put in there and um so we we tried a lot of different stuff and I think the record actually sounds very cohesive but it's very um it's also dynamic you know i i wanted to not be afraid to to let the record go up and go down you know there's moments like on the song wrong where it really gets taken down um to a somber and quiet kind of mode and then you know there's moments uh like the excess which is almost like bar you know straight up bar rock and uh and that's kind of what we ultimately were going for so i'm pretty psyched on that um but it all in my opinion kind of flows and that was uh that was with the help of you know randy and dylan for sure like being you know being who they are and playing they play together all the time so they're kind of locked in when they groove they groove well together which is important and uh, I was just able to kind of sit back and uh, produce, for, you know, certain moments. Let Randy play bass on, you know, not let, but ask Randy to play bass on songs. So I wasn't, you know, playing all the bass and falling into my own familiar trap things or familiar like fills and having it sound too much like like, Alkaline Trio or yeah. just something familiar. So I really wanted it to be a different thing. And also knowing that when I tour, it will be a full band. Um, and it was some big, so I wanted to open the door for like some jam moments as well.
0: And it's it's a very intimate album with a track, obviously for your wife and another for your daughter. Yeah. How did that come about? Is it something that you wanted to get across on this album or did it just happen without kind of even thinking?
1: Uh, well, this, um the lyric in that song, Into Your Dream, um, is something that I was toying with a long time ago, actually. Uh, it, but it was more of like a poem that I wrote for her uh, when she was, I want to say like, maybe like seven or eight. And um, it was part of a school thing for her. But I, I had a melody for it. And then uh, it was probably during the pandemic when I really started messing with it and actually putting guitar to it. And then I came up w- with what I thought were just really pretty chords and almost like a lullaby. And then um, it just came together so good. I got to play upright bass in that studio, which was very fun, and very cool. Uh, thanks to Randy for driving around with that upright bass in his car. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was awesome. Sounds. I just love the way that song turned out. I uh, I played the guitar intro, the guitar lead at the very top, and uh, it, that line has been kind of married to that part since I wrote the song. I've always really liked that line, and but then I wanted Randy to play solo later in the song, which he does, and I was. I was pretty psyched on my tone at the beginning and then when he comes in later, it's just like, Oh, so good. And then, you know, really makes my tone sound pretty amateur. But, um, I was, uh, I was so pleased when he played that part. I was like, damn, Randy. That's great. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Uh, and you've already said today that, you know, when you just goes on tour, you're going to have a whole set of musicians and take it all out and, you know, show the people these yeah. songs live. Now, Did you keep this in mind when you were recording and producing that, you know, you didn't want it to sound too different from the band and the shows that people were going to go and see, because sometimes you see a band and they sound nothing like the album.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's always the, that's a a tough thing to, uh, to try to get over a tough hump, I guess, you know, Alkaline Trio ends up when we use a lot of like keyboards or piano stuff. And we end up using, Uh, like a sampler just for that stuff you know but then we've got to play to that or make sure it's all in time and it's interesting but it it, you know it sounds good and it sounds weird without it but i mean this being like a, a band where i want to be able to jam a little more and just open up uh yeah i mean it's definitely something i thought about and i knew i was digging myself into a little bit of a hole but one that i'm excited to be in you know yeah um, i mean because the band is gonna be the, i mean the band is great uh we rehearsed actually a little bit ago and uh it was very exciting unfortunately i wasn't feeling too great but just being in the room with everybody and hearing everything was was uh was pretty killer when Are it was we gonna? because i can tell you who's in the band
0: uh, it's um, going to air uh, next week, so the album's oh, out yeah. on the 11th, so, so I'll put it out on the well announced. Like Monday. Yeah,
1: I'm very excited. I'm taking Derek Grant from Alkaline Trio uh, to play drums. Uh, Randy will be there playing guitar. Uh, Kayla Gonzalez, who's in Get Married and Pity Party, um, will be there playing bass. Uh, she's in the video for Dear Darkness, actually. And then our new friend Nick O'Connor from Fremont, California, will be playing Keys. And I'll be there singing and playing guitar. It's going to be ripping. Everybody's so good and just so excited to be playing. I'm, I'm psyched. I'm psyched, <laughs> to them all. I'm psyched to play these songs. Like It's going to be cool. There,
0: there's a lot of people that will be listening today that are in bands. And with the way that the world is and everything is streaming now, I mean, vinyls are selling well, but you know, bands need to get out there and play. That's the way you're going to yeah. make a living. What advice do you give to anyone that is starting out that hasn't had, you know, twenty five years like you with Alkaline Trio and other bands, but are trying to get noticed? What what advice do you give to these people in a day that's so different to when you used to start it out? You know, in the nineties.
1: I don't. I mean, that's that's the million dollar question, I guess, um, because it's hard. That's. I guess that's the answer. It's hard work. I mean, you really have to put yourself out there. You got to not be afraid to try, uh, you know, the things that you really want to try, um, and and just get out there and try to tour. Like I think, m- maybe a little bit, like social media and things as as they developed and gotten so big, um, they've really helped independent musicians quite a bit to get their get their name and stuff out there but you can't rely solely on that Mm. you know you got to get out there and you got to play shows and sometimes you got to play empty rooms and you just got to pretend they're not empty and you know and do your best that's uh because it's all every time you play and and this is something that i wish i would have known a long time ago but it's like you got to remember every time you play it's the show for someone you know what i mean and so uh it's always it's always a good idea just to try to have your best show.
0: I love it. And you've mentioned the tour. Have we got any idea if we'll see you on Europe or in the UK with your solo project?
1: Uh we don't know. I mean, I'm working on it. Yeah. But we don't know yet. So here's the thing, like when I go I want to I kind of want want to do it up and make it like a full run. So as now more than ever, it's kind of, not kind of, it's hard to get in and out of places, Europe as a factor, just, you know, being different rules and protocols for UK and Europe and different countries within Europe. So, and I can't, I can't be going there and then coming back and then going back to the EU or whatever, at some different point. So I'm trying to book a big old thing is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But it might take just a little bit of time to get that figured out.
0: You should have just taken some extra instruments and friends and then just been the main support for Alkaline Trio.
1: That would be exhausting. <laughs> it and sounds not, good. But... Not, yeah. Maybe good in theory, but again, see, getting back to what I am just saying, <laughs> that would not enable me to put forth my best show for either, for either act. Yeah. So, uh, but man, a support band for someone else would be great. I'll be I'll be over there in a heartbeat. I'll bring a whole band. I mean, it would have to be the right group, I suppose. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it, but I want to get over there and do it right, you know. Yeah. When the
0: time's right and things have gone a bit back to normal with the COVID and venues are being able to just be venues again and travel's normal, then I'm sure it won't be that long till you're here.
1: Hallelujah. <laughs>
0: My final question for you, and it's never easy for anyone that comes on that's in a band, but I make sure and try and keep the podcast as original as I can by asking the artist that's on to choose the outro piece of music to today's episode. Now, it doesn't have to be one of your own, and most people like to choose something different, but today we've had an interview, it's all wrapped up, it's edited, and it's about to go out. You can choose the closing track to this podcast. It can be any song by any band in the whole world. It's tough, and I think people in bands find it hard because they want to choose so many different songs. But when I ask the question, what's that kind of song that comes to your heart and soul that you think would be the perfect outro for today?
1: That is a really hard question. I bet you hear that every time.
0: Yep, and then I edit it to make it sound like you've chosen it in like 30 seconds, but some people are like, give me enough fucking 10 minutes.
1: I can't decide let me see Uh, I think a good song to go out on damn I bet do a lot of people pull out their phone and like look at shit
0: Yeah, on Spotify and they're going through lists and uh, songs that meant a lot to them but it's it can be any song in the world but it's trying to go a
1: little bit off the cuff here but uh, I'm having I can never think of anything let's say believe by my morning jacket
0: oh amazing did it just come to your head then? Were you just thinking that's the waterfall? One?
1: Yeah. That's I like the, the sentiment. And yeah. it's such a good song. There you go. You see, it wasn't too stressful. No, I feel good about it. Good. I was if trying you... to not dig too deep because if I start getting into like, I'm. Tr- what am I trying to send a big message with yeah. this one pick? I mean, I'm just trying to have a nice outro for your podcast. It's a fucking beautiful song.
0: There you go. That's That's all it
1: needs to be. Power and Melody. Awesome. Thanks, Mark.
0: Dan, thanks for coming on. I wish you all the luck. I've heard Dear Darkness. I've been lucky enough to have an advanced copy, and I genuinely mean this. It's fucking awesome, so I can't wait to see it live.
1: Oh, man. I thank you very much. You can stick that on your
0: poster. You can say Mark and Me Podcast. Fucking awesome.
1: Fucking awesome. I love it.
0: But honestly, I, uh, I look forward to you guys coming over. I'll try and get some tickets to Alkaline Trio. And if I can see you, I'll have a beer. And honestly, I wish you all the luck with everything with the album because it's awesome and I can't wait to see people's reactions.
1: Right on. Thanks, Mark.
0: So there it is. There's my interview with me and Dan Andriano. I want to say a huge thanks to Dan for taking the time out to come on the show and talk all about Alkaline Trio and your brand new album, Dear Darkness. It's an amazing album and it's one of those albums that when you listen to it for the first time it feels so familiar straight away. It's like you've listened to this band for years and years and that's what you expect with Dan. It's so good you'll find some killer hooks on it and some great choruses so go and check it out as soon as this episode finishes. I truly mean it we might only be in February but right now it's my album of the year but if you do go and listen to the album please share your thoughts with me I love reading people's feedback and especially people that discover new bands from this podcast it's the ultimate compliment that I can get all the links to my social media are on markandme.com there's my facebook twitter and instagram and I make sure I personally reply to every message that I get sent I really appreciate everyone listening today and if you really enjoyed today's episode hit that share button hit that like button or hit the retweet button on Twitter. Sharing the episode is the best marketing that I can do and costs me absolutely nothing and costs you guys at home nothing. It really is a key to bringing a whole new audience to market me and goes a long, long way. So please, if you've enjoyed today's episode, hit that share button. It goes so, so far. Also, I do have a Patreon account set up. On there, you can support the podcast for as little as £1 every month. At the moment, you're getting free episodes every single week for that, for nothing, but also you get some opportunities to win some fantastic prizes for supporting the podcast. Thanks to my friends at Richer Sounds, Last Exit to Nowhere and Vice Press, I have some incredible stuff to give away each and every month. So please, go on that link, it's on markandme.com and any support goes right back into the podcast and allows me to go out there and record more interviews, which means more episodes for you guys at home. It's not slowing down anytime soon. I believe right now this month is my biggest I've ever done in five years of podcasting. I've had some incredible guests so far and the next week or two is going to be another level. So stay tuned on all my social media channels over the next few days to discover who these guests are going to be. And in the meantime, look after yourself, take care and I'll speak to you all soon.
2: Time to roll, the answer floats on down the farther shore of a mind Roll the dice that sailed the ship and all the doors will open